2: We are still fired up
3: and we're still talking about revolution.
1: Hello and welcome to the Do and Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and we'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And it's going to be a very special broadcast today. It's, this show is actually dedicated to the activists who have been blockading and doing actions in regards to combating climate change. And I'm going to be speaking with a number of people in regards to the over policing of those activists. First up on the show, though, we will speak with Brett Collins, hopefully, from Justice Action. And Brett is going to talk about Mental Health Week and give us a little bit of a follow-up about that. and also speak about a detainee in a mental health in a, in a hospital. Um, he, she was a mental health patient and she died 12 months ago. and so we'll be speaking about her inquest. Her name is Miriam, and he'll be giving full details of that presently. Then after that, we're going to be speaking with Sajja from the Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre. And we'll be speaking with her as a peer support advocacy worker from Police Accountability, the project there at Flemken. And we'll also speak with her about over-policing and some of the uh, draconian bail conditions that have happened to the activists over the week. After that, we'll be speaking with Anthony Kelly, from Melbourne Activist Legal Support and Anthony will talk about this very important network and community resource and also discuss some of the the issues in regards to what's happening with the climate change campaigners. Six years I've been in desert Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria.
3: It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much brings us all together.
0: Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just
4: want to say thank you laws. to all What's of you for What's giving the us the opportunity to speak on air. The
0: the reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And
4: you can listen to audio from this year's
1: broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars.
3: But
0: also, while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know, it's been going for a while now. Hopefully it goes, it keeps going. going, You know, like, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. we We can't blame everything on the external,
3: so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor because real power comes from here and it comes from family.
1: If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 8377.
4: Red Alert. Numbers are needed at the Japarang Heritage Protection Embassy Camps immediately sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The Campaign to Protect Country is led by Japurung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit DWEmbassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. Red Alert. Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between Queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria, and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1 800 542 847. Withrespect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000.
1: A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we now have Brett Collins on the line from Justice Action. Hello, Brett. Welcome to the program. Yeah,
0: so, so pleased to be back on again. <laughs> Lovely
1: to have you, Brett.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You, Brett.
1: <laughs> no, it's been, it's um, we've missed you. Actually, we've missed your input. Now, Brett, I'm wondering if you, I, I said in my intro that you were going to talk about. Mental Health Week but before we do give a report back on Mental Health Week are you able to just tell us a little bit about the background to what happened with Miriam um, who died if you could give her full name and also talk about what type of work justice action is doing.
2: For
0: her. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Look, the, look, the mental health issue really, you know, hasn't been um, central stage for us until <clears throat> we're sort of forced upon us because some of the uh, treatments that people are having in psychiatric hospitals have become uh, come into prisons as well. So we we really can't avoid having to do with like forced medication and and, <clears throat> and people being um, regarded as being mentally ill who like previously were um, uh, functioning quite well um, with other people around them. So so we've had to accept uh, that um, <clears throat> that mental health. Uh, attention and in we use that very carefully um, uh, is into the prison system and, and um, in some states in New South Wales, probably in Victoria um, they can actually give you what's, what's called a, a forensic um, mental health order right? which allows them to have a doctor come in, several nurses come in, probably a few prison officers too, and hold you down, take your pants down and then inject you in the buttocks once every two weeks. Now um, that's a very serious issue when you it makes you feel... Uh, uh, Boggy headaches, uh, a whole range of things, um, including, including you know, loss of sexual desire and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but they say, well, it's good for you. The doctors say, uh, disregarding entirely uh, your um, um, protest. So you know, that's really a really key um, uh, situation, and that, in some ways, is, is the um, uh, epitome of the um, and the problem with um, with health and the Miriam Merton case. Now, that's that's what um, um, Miriam because,
1: um, Miriam Merton is that right?
0: Well, Mary Merton. Yeah, look, Mary Merton was just um, a woman who was um, mother of um, two up and, uh, in northern Riversdale, uh, New South Wales. I mean, her case was a, a shocking case that, that alerted everyone and uh, embarrassed the government because it was all captured on CCTV. And she was um, taken. She had um, been charged. with No offence. Uh, there she was. She was just um, taken into the uh, Lismore Base Hospital, um, where she um, started to lose control of the of her bowels. Um, she then. Um, Stripped her naked, and some um, left her wandering up and down this um, corridor, and then falling over um, and hitting her head on the on the walls and um, and uh, and doing uh, hurting herself. Now, and um, but what the CCTV footage uh, uh, caught was that uh, um, this nurse uh, just nonchalantly mopping the floor, mopping up the feces uh, oh. and and blood on the floor, just ignoring entirely this um, poor woman, Mary Merton, who eventually died. Right, and and some um, and then the hospital lied to the. Daughters and said that their mother had died during the night, and, and I was all these eyes which were uncovered when it came to the CCTV. And then I saw, oh, they said, just show the media this, and everyone was horrified. And the, and the the two ministers involved, minister for mental health and minister for health, uh, and the chief psychiatrist, all said that the culture of uh, mental health in New South Wales, and a look, it applies to all states and territories. And they said it's appalling. It shows a uh, callousness, disregard for um, the uh, the actual consumer. Themselves, um, and that, uh, and there was a lack of direction in mental health. And look, that's exactly what we've um, had. Absolutely, been saying, seen. absolutely. Yeah,
1: and so. Brett, was this this happened about 12 months ago? The death, and is that uh, right?
0: Well, look, the, the inquest happened about 12 months ago, and it's okay. actually been the subject then of um, a couple of reviews because you know, it was very easy for um, people initially to say, "Oh, it doesn't matter too much," and but then when the ministers came out and said, "Look, this is," um, they were so shocked by what they saw, and they could see that it wasn't just a one-off um, case of one nurse; it was just that was the the way people were being treated, in these um, little little alcoves where people just and some vulnerable, they said, no, there has to be a, a, a root and branch change in mental health, and, some, and we came in strongly, because we've been uh, very close to a whole lot of cases which have been uh, involving in involuntary medications and people being secluded and all that sort of stuff. So we, we came in very strongly and ended up with a meeting with the Minister, agreements for change on certain things, uh, like, for example, everyone to retain their phones. So instead of actually being um, taken out of off the streets and, and then stripped naked, taken everything from, you, they can return your phones in some areas, not completely, right, but, yeah. Um, but so, um, Brett, negotiating.
1: Yeah, yeah, so you've ta- it, it's really cool. I mean, you've talked about a number of issues here. You've talked about forced medication. You've discussed um, some of the problems that happen in mental health institutions and some of the, the things that need to be done to overcome that. But I suppose I just wanted to take you to the inquest now. And yes. have the findings actually been handed down from the inquest?
0: Oh, yes, they were. Oh, no, no the findings were handled down. But <clears throat> so even then, even though the coroner had exposed it, the, the strength of what happened was that, that the media uh, picked it up. So that was the importance. And, Absolutely. And it on the, yeah, well, but I suppose the,
1: I, I just wanted to – sorry, Brett. I just wanted listeners right. to, to be made aware of what some of those findings were. When did Miriam die initially?
0: Well, the Moon died probably, I reckon, for about three years ago. So. Okay, That's so it
1: took ages time. to get but, the inquest. But yes. Yeah.
0: Oh well, it, it does. It, look, normally uh, it would take that time um, for it to come through. There's a backlog as well. But the thing is, that I really hide it was the, the fact that you know the this hospital had CCTV, was actually able to monitor what was going on. Yeah. But yeah. many hospitals don't have it, right? So no, you know, no. They can, if, it was, if another in other hospitals, if there wasn't being proof of the CCTV, then the lies that had been told by the staff would have just gone through. Of course. So that was really important. Absol- uh, and access yeah. to the media, the media, had to see it as well. And the other thing is that there's, there are quite a lot of things that we highlight in this process. One was actually having access to your phone, so you have independent communication with your friends and your family. That that's, you can all, should always be there. There's no reason for it no, to happen. No, you're
1: right. You're but, uh, right. Yeah. So, Brett, and what then, were you yeah. at the inquest?
0: No, I wasn't at the inquest. No, we, we just followed through afterwards. And the inquest was so startling. Like, we were unaware of what had happened to the family until there was the immediate the hit.
1: So the the recommend- media hit what went- were the recommendations, do you think, roughly?
0: Well, the, the initial recommendations were, like, more of the same. Right. that was the issue. That was the you know, yeah. what was so bad about it. So, but nineteen recommendations that came out of the out of a special inquiry by the by the chief psychiatrist. But but um, they were intended to make a change. But when looking when you look at them carefully, all they're talking about is is um, and a, a more um, more teaching, more uh, and some, you know some some protocols and things are a little different, you know, more money for people and, uh, and more staffing in some areas. But you know, it do, that doesn't. It's be, not going to solve um, the uh, problem. Talent, but, uh, no be... power relations.
3: Changed,
1: but you know, you know Brett. I, I wanted to ask that question just to to show listeners I know that I know some of those the recommendations wouldn't be of any use at this stage to, to, to Miriam or any death in custody for that matter. But just Absolutely. to show listeners, you know, what happened. Now let's talk quickly about mental health week. What, what's what's happening with that? What happened with that, sorry? Look.
0: But mental health work is a, like a significant course, you know, we, It gives us the chance to up the sort of work we're doing. So, I, like last week, I was in the Forensic Hospital, which is the highest security hospital here in New South Wales, representing one of these, um, one of the prisoner. a guy called a sorry, patient. He's not a prisoner; he's a patient. But you know, many many um, people in, in prison are in the same conditions um, as uh, this guy called Stacey Disfurling. He's done eighteen years. Eighteen years out of, for doing something to which um, the lawyers reckon would cost only like three and a half years and so in the prison centre. So he's he's um, you know been because he's an uppity guy. You know wants to um, you know to uh, argue for himself and doesn't want the medication and whatever. He you know, he's actually been there a lot longer. He's, has you been know, showing
3: uh, a yeah,
0: yeah. uh, old backbone that many people want. So they they quadrupled his medication. Right, they they're trying to force things on him that um, previously have failed, and they've given him headaches and all sorts of things. he's, he's got um, he's got high blood pressure. He's got he's got um, uh, he's di- got diabetes. His side effects of the medication, everyone acknowledges and But they say these medications are. Good for him, they say. So we've we come in with a, another alternative. We said, look, there's, there's no reason why he shouldn't have a, some, a plan, a personal management plan, yes, where yes. what he wants to do is what they are listening to and considering. Instead of having their own management plan, where do they where they decide, no, this guy's going to have to bend over every two every two weeks and cop an injection that he doesn't want. So so that was that's a job in progress. But once every six months they have those reviews, we're back up in front of him. We actually have offered for him to come in here to work into Justice Action as part of our team and we'll, we'll see exactly how
1: that goes Brett that's amazing thanks so much and, and as usual you guys do really great work um, and thanks so much for, for coming on the program is there any final things you want to say
0: well, uh, look, I need to say that you know, mental health is one of those issues that you know, affects everyone, really. Um, but uh, what we've found over the years in working with people who are pretty, you know, have a pretty tough time and who really are quite you know, vulnerable, we've found that the social solution is always much better. Where people are working with you know, other people around them, have uh, uh, consumer workers, they have people who are trained to, um, to listen to them as well, and people who have like, previously been in the situation themselves. They're the best. And that's... that's the support, yeah. That's
1: that's that's... Clear.
0: So that's that's... That's really important. much better.
1: Yeah, sure. Brett, thanks so much for you, for you, for coming on, and um, thanks, Marissa, thanks to a lot. Speak with you again, mate. You too. Lovely. Thank you. Okay. Take care. You know. Bye bye. You know. And that was Brett Collins from Justice Action speaking about the the terrible death in custody of um, of Miriam, and who who recent who had an inquest about twelve months ago, and he he also spoke a little bit about Mental Health Week and and talked. Justice Action does a lot of really amazing work anyway. We're going to be speaking shortly with with Sudja from um, Flemington Kensington Community um, Legal Centre. But before that, uh, let's hear an announcement.
2: a 3CR supporter.
5: Tune in, dig deep, and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5, and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning.
3: Believe the bullshit that's made today's headlines From the front page to the back page It's just a pack of lies A bunch of rich prints telling us What they want us to hear But the world that they present to us is not as it appears Is Is it true? Or did you read it in the right-wing press? Is it true? Or did you read it in the right-wing press? Is it true? Or did you read it in the right wing press? Is it true? Or did you read it in the right wing press? A daily dose of fantasy in a world of make believe. Where the freedom of the press is just the freedom to deceive. They glorify the wealthy and they justify their greed while they ridicule the powerless and those who live in need. So is it true? Or did you read it in the right wing press? Is it true? Or did you read it in the right wing press? Is it true? Did you read it in the right wing press? Is it true? Or did you read it in the right wing press? same old garbage and they bang the same old drum the cops are always heroes and the rest of us are scum spreading racist bullshit so we fight among ourselves the rich end up in power and the poor end up in cells is it true or did you read it in the right wing press is it true or did you read it in the right wing press You read it in the right wing press' Is it true? Or did you read it in the right
1: press It's not true. And you're back with the doing time show and we're going to be speaking with Sajja pretty soon. She's the peer support advocacy worker um, from Flemington Kensington Community Legal Center. She may wish to correct me on the title and we'll speak to her very soon, but before, Hello Saja, welcome to the program. Hi Marissa, thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you and uh, just for the benefit of listeners, this is a special show dedicated to climate change activists and I have taken the liberty of organising two interviews uh, with two very, very wonderful guests um that are coming on very soon who are who are knowledgeable in um in the area of police accountability so first up um after brett collins who's just been on we'll be speaking with Saja and Saja, could you just state your title please
5: Yes, sure. So I'm a um, peer advocacy support worker with the Police Accountability Project at Flemington Kensington Legal Centre.
1: Yep, and then after that we'll speak with with, um, Anthony Kelly and he'll be right after, um, Sajja, and he's from the Melbourne Activist Legal Support and he has asked that I introduce him as such. So Sajja, I'm wondering if you could just start off talking a little bit about um, your role and and what you do at um, at Flemkin.
5: Yeah, definitely. So, um, at Flemken within the Police Accountability Project, um, there's a group of around around five to ten of us, with varying in quantities. Um, but we're a bunch of young people that are quite passionate about um, discriminatory policing within Victoria and the um, lack of efforts to acknowledge it and to reduce it um, when dealing and having contact with police. Uh, And that involves um, engaging with lots of research, um, lots of community outreach, speaking to members that have been um, discriminated against by Victoria Police members and sort of sharing their stories and empowering them with what their rights are and spreading that knowledge across different communities.
1: Well, wow, that's that's great. And and actually the Do In Time show has interviewed um, a few people from, from the project over the years. So it's your turn now.
4: <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so um, and I believe, Sajjan, we were speaking about this off air, um, that extin- Extinction Rebellion has been happening over the last week or so and it's not finished yet. Could you just tell listeners what is extin- Extinction Rebellion? And um, just talk a little bit about what what's been happening and some of the over policing.
5: Yeah, definitely. So with Extinction Rebellion, um, it's quite it's quite interesting because they're um, using the same sort of terminology with London and the protests, the climate change protests that are happen, happening there. And um, the way that it's uh, coming about is the, the the communication and all the focus has been really on the cost that Victoria Police has had to incur when dealing with um, Extinction Rebellion protests and climate change protests, which um, t- definitely takes the focus off the fact that they are protesting for a very big reason and the fact that a mass population of people have come together in the name of Extinction Rebellion to um, to really tell Australian politics to um, face the fact that climate change policy really has to change in Australia.
1: Absolutely, and and in fact, there's been quite a lot going on. Have there been many arrests at all?
5: Yeah, there have been. There've been multiple arrests, and um, there's been a lot of limelight on the bail conditions of those arrests. So Melbourne has been a lot better than Sydney, but um, Sydney has had some horrendous um, uh, bail conditions placed on the protesters, and that has definitely caused a lot of outrage because this. Protesters are obviously very non-violent and they are really campaigning for the betterment of society and to lock those people up and tell them they can't get out until they have enough um, to you know, to support them through legal fees or have um, attended their hearing dates and really treat them as, as criminals that commit violent acts. It's quite horrendous and I think it's also a way that these bail conditions also represent a sort of silencing of, um, of the far left
1: and that's why I want to speak to Anthony after you, so that he can give us a little bit of information about um the Melbourne activist legal support and how um that resource can help activists so Definitely, yeah. so it's it's interesting because there's been a lot of a lot of stuff in the media about how activists are holding up public transport and inconveniencing people and how a cancer patient couldn't get into the hospital. You know, I find that that that's actually quite, as a radio broadcaster, I find that to be quite abysmal because it's not really looking at the the real issue, is it?
5: No, it's not. It's not at all. And um, I think that like Australia does have, Australian media definitely has a very, very big issue when it comes to climate change communication particularly focusing on, um, you know, things like that, like, as you mentioned, you know, cancer patient not being able to enter into a hospital or particularly the cost that, you know, Victoria Police has had to incur because of the protest. Um, it just goes to show that the angle that the media constantly takes, and this is across the Herald Sun, the Age, this is The Guardian um, and various other, you know, uh, media outlets have really pushed this sort of um, communication, this sort of discourse. And it, and it does make you step back and think that what's happening to the actual reason and the actual reason these protesters are wasting their... Not wasting, but using their money and their time yeah. to do this. Why yeah. aren't we talking about that? And why isn't the media taking any sort of accountability to to even educate the public on why exactly these protests are happening rather than all the negative side effects from the protests?
1: Absolutely. And, and why is it that... You know, I was just having a look at the um, Guardian Australia and there was a really excellent article in there quoting Kevin Rudd and and he says that three of the world's Mm. biggest mining multinationals have run sophisticated operations to kill off climate action in Australia and he says that it continues to wield day-to-day influence over government through a vast lobbying network Mm
4: -hmm. and
1: talks about the fact that the Murdoch media is a really bad Mm -hmm. influence.
5: Yeah, definitely, Marisa. I was actually reading one of his articles, doing a research paper on it not long ago, and I quoted Kevin Rudd as saying that Australia has had a problem. Four decades and that is Murdoch <laughs> and um, it's, it's becoming more known and more spoken about which is great but I wish there was something more that can be done about it and I think that's when we have to sort of microscope and look into ownership, media ownership laws and the way that um, the saturation of media ownership in Australia currently, it really does uh, make you question Whether um, you know whether this democratic country that we you know call ourselves to be, whether we're actually um, reflecting that in the way we communicate to the public.
1: Absolutely, and what do you think is the role of the police accountability project in regards to the climate change protesters? Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah, great question, Marissa, and I think um, it's really interesting to sort of sit back, reflect and explore that because with police accountability, we are very much about focusing on racial um, uh, discriminatory policing, but using what's happened to climate change protesters, it puts a different angle on it and it really does show perhaps that rather than um, racial aspects will definitely be there, but there's also the aspect of this, of the left and the right, and it very much shows that um, that police accountability project, while we're working with these protesters um, who have, you know, been under range bail conditions and who have been mistreated by Victoria police because of, um, you know, their uh, outlook on climate change does make you question and ponder whether the um, whether the far right agenda and whether the far right outlook is quite widespread within victoria police and whether that actually contributes to discriminatory policing, which is what we deal with
1: and how would that would that contribute to discriminatory policing do you think
5: um, I think because uh, perhaps having i mean being someone if if you sort of change perspective and you think um, someone with a far right perspective, they're often not going to like coloured people. They're often not going to like, um, you know, people who aren't Anglo-Saxon mainstream. They're often not going to like um, climate change discourse. They're often not going to like a lot of the progressive um, topics and discussions that um, take place within the left. So I think almost you know, that link can possibly be made, obviously, depending on a lot more research, a lot more evidence, but it is something that you could possibly assume and you wouldn't be wrong for assuming.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, what it sounds like to me that you're saying is that it's in regards to also the demonisation of activists. And as the union says, an injury to one is an injury to all. And mm-hmm. is that what you're trying to say, that it's it's demonisation, that... Basically, if someone's an activist, then um, they're treated differently.
5: Um, I agree with you, Marissa, and it is what I'm trying to say, but not completely because when we look at the activists, And I say that with quotation marks because um, when they they came out when um, Milo was speaking and they were um, spreading and spewing hate speech, we saw Victoria Police pretty much defending them and and creating a barrier around them. And so in that sense, I wouldn't say that they have this perspective towards activists. I think it's just specific activists. And that's sort of where I link back to the political um, thoughts so I think those, those activists that come from more of a left-wing, um, you know, political thought, um, they usually get a, a lot worse treatment um, than activists that come from more of the right-wing. And I, and I guess it's oh, making course. a direct comparison between various activists
1: that were there during Milo. Oh, certainly um, not. I certainly wasn't insinuating sure that, that. Um, Sajja. Yeah. I, what, what I was trying to say there is that, you know, the, it, there is demonisation. And I'm glad you've been specific about that because... You know, there's probably listeners that have just tuned in that, that probably wouldn't know what we were talking about. So it was good that you were quite explicit in, um, you know, looking at the the, the Milo activists who, who, are, who <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying.
5: Yeah, yeah. it's definitely um, something that you can really explore and flesh out. And I think it has a lot of different angles to it. Um, but it, it is a very looming and scary thought that Murdoch Media isn't, isn't very far behind in influencing Victoria Police and, and individual right. members within Victoria Police. And that obviously is reflected in how they react towards in now, in this instance, climate change protesters.
1: You know, that's very true what you're saying. And following on from the point that you made before about, about um, you know, some activists being treated differently, there are activists also who call themselves activists. The fascists call themselves activists as well. Exactly. Yeah, and Exactly. And they
5: get senator yeah.
1: support, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I see I see what you mean. And yeah. you know, I'm glad that you, you were able to point that out. Now, shortly we're going to be speaking with Anthony more about the um the bail conditions and looking at at the supports that people can access. But in, in your own um words, what, what do you think has happened with all the, the locking up and the bail conditions?
5: I think um I think there has been a lot of public pleasing, so in that sense, I feel like um given that the media is really perpetuating this idea that the public and and the media is angry with the fact that Victoria police's you know three million dollars was used up by um dealing with the protesters, there's a lot of sort of public pleasing where I think um you know people in the legal sphere. Um, are making decisions where um, they don't get a lot of public backlash. So, you know, if they let the bail conditions go or if they make minimal r- arrests, then the media might then turn around, and I'm saying Murdoch media, turn around with headlines saying that, you know, Victoria Police went too easy and this disruption happened, that disruption happened, and, you know, we're not strong enough, we're not staunch enough, you know, we need a more hardline approach. Um, so I think to avoid that, Um, the bail conditions and the arrest and everything that has happened has really just been um, to keep the media quiet and keep a very, um, I guess I would say, right-winged section of the public happy. Um, But in in the process, it's really, really silenced. Um, It's attempted to silence uh, people that are speaking up about things that are international issues and um, and have been internationally acclaimed.
1: And indeed, um, these these processes have happened all over the world, but Australia mm-hmm. is extremely backward um, in regards to policing, and also yeah. in in regards to climate to climate change as well.
5: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Would you what, what do you feel, Marissa, about the fact that um, the arrests and the bail conditions were done, in to to sort of silence um, public outrage?
1: Oh. <laughs> the The bail conditions are dividing people, and it's mm-hmm. dividing our movement because mm-hmm. you know people are not allowed to talk to other people. You know, mm-hmm. one young piano teacher in Sydney isn't even allowed to talk to her mother mm-hmm. until the her trial, and the the arrests are over the top. They're, they're draconian, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's, and you know. It's, it slows people down when they go to court, doesn't it? You know, dissent yeah. is criminalised. Wouldn't you agree with that?
5: Yeah, yeah definitely. That treatment of, of hardline criminals, um, it really makes you stand back and question what exactly they're trying to achieve um, through putting protesters and activists through such a harsh um, justice system.
1: Harsh indeed. And, and in fact, if you really want to look at the law and the way that law is changing... This could also be a, a ground map for um, you know, politicians and, and government to get rid of more of our civil civil liberties, not that there's many left. And mm. uh and, and look at you know, getting getting like America where, you know, phones mm. are gonna be tapped, emails gonna be tapped, stuff like mm.
5: that. Oh definitely, yeah. Yeah.
1: Look, it's been great. We're not
5: too far behind.
1: Absolutely, it's been great having you on the program. Do you do you have any final comments that you want to make about the police accountability project or about climate, the climate change activists? Um, No,
5: thank you so much for having me, Marissa. I would just, I think, just want to say that it's really important. Everyone that's listening in, thank you for listening in. And um, it's just really important for us to educate ourselves and and get to know the other perspective, the perspective that's usually hidden and not so widely available, Um, and particularly when it comes to things like, you know, current events of climate change um, and the way that, um, you know, the police have reacted to it. I think it's up to us to sort of scream because if we don't scream, then they're going to bark louder.
1: That's and very true. Are
5: going to be heard.
1: And also to recap with with some of your earlier points, and just to to summarise it, in in regards to campaigners that that are being arrested, the the left wing and are certainly not going to be supported by the police at all, and they're going to be demonised. Although, what's this left wing and right wing? I mean, what what does that? Isn't there a better way of of explaining that? Kind of you it. would hope you know this wing this yeah. left wing and
5: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you would hope i just like to think progressive and not progressive Correct. or living under a rock and not living under a rock
1: <laughs> that's exactly right and of course you know you've got your african communities and your aboriginal people you know that they they're, they're going to be um you know there's also that racial profiling as well
5: mm Yeah, definitely. So um, the Police Accountability Project deals with a lot of racial profiling, um, particularly against African Australians and and Aboriginal um, community members. Um, And if you do have any inquiries about anyone, um, a family member or yourself or anyone else that you know or have heard of who have been racially profiled and discriminatory policed um, by Victoria Police, please do reach out out to us. Um, All of that information matters dearly to us.
1: And what's the website for that and the phone number?
5: Um, it's policeaccountabilityproject.org, from memory. Um, but just Googling Police Accountability Project or PAP should hopefully do.
1: Good on you. Soja, thank you so much for the program. I believe you're studying to be a lawyer. We need lawyers. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I have. Don't give up. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. Hopefully I don't crazy. I don't go crazy by the time I'm done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See you in the streets sometime and ca- and keep up the good work, everybody. Thanks a lot.
5: <laughs> Thanks,
1: Thanks. Chris. Bye so bye. Much. Bye bye. Bye. And that was uh, Saja from um, Foimentin Kensington Community Legal Centre, and she works for the Police Accountability Project and is a peer support advocacy worker.
3: 3CR!
2: a 3CR supporter.
1: And you're back with the Doin' Time show and we're going to be speaking now with Anthony Kelly who's from Melbourne Activist Legal Support and he's going to be talking, extending really the discussion that I was having with Sadja about um, her work with the Police Accountability Project, but we'll be speaking it from um, another perspective. Hello, Anthony. Welcome to the program. Hello, Marissa. Great to have you. Now, yeah, we were talking with with Sajja from Flimken, um about basically media and looking at what happened with all the arrestees at, of, climate, of the climate change campaigners, and she spoke a lot about racial profiling and I mm-hmm. thought that I'd invite you onto the show as well because this is a special broadcast um, dedicated to the campaigners. And I was wondering if you could just uh, talk a little bit more about the campaigners and some of the bail conditions. But let's start off by you introducing yourself and talking a little bit about the Melbourne Activist Legal Support.
6: Sure. So, so we're an independent uh, all volunteer organisation based in Melbourne. We've been around since Occupy Melbourne, 2011. We um, do a range of things in regard to activist legal support. We can't support every activist, of course, in Melbourne, so we do a lot of resourcing, training, developing um, resources, and we also uh, train and deploy uh, legal observer teams at protests uh, to act as independent observers of police and then we report on and um, uh, uh, publicly advocate around civil and political rights where we see them infringed by by victoria police
1: okay and and how does how does that help activists
6: well activist legal support in general is really critical um, activists all the time at some point will come up against the legal system, whether that's having a stall in the Burke Street Mall or or uh, walking on a march or, or getting arrested or a whole range of different things You come up against the police and the legal system. And that's draining, it can be disruptive, it can be time-consuming, but also it can be uh, horribly dangerous and harmful. So uh, the more legal support structures... Uh, we can put in place in our activist campaigns in our activist groups uh, the uh, the more likely it is for activists to withstand and uh, get stronger uh, when it comes to facing the, the police or the, or the legal system.
1: So you've got legal observers when the protests are going on
6: yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we do specific training for legal observers, and we uh, and they wear pink vests. People have probably seen them around Melbourne. We are specifically there to look at the police and protective service officers uh, about what they what they're doing, what their conduct is, how they um, place themselves, how many there are, uh, what they might do in relation to the protest, and then we might either we record evidence, basically phot- photography evidence, and make notes and. And uh, then we um, do a whole range of things, basically, with that evidence after the protest.
1: Okay, and and with with the evidence, does that help with with court cases? Any upcoming cases?
6: yeah, it could. It could help with uh, formal complaints. It can help with. um, We might do media work around it and provide evidence to the media about um, the way police have limited human rights. We might um, there might be evidence for court cases or civil litigation. So there could be a range of things that we that um, that uh, evidence that we compile uh, is used through the accountability or um, activist legal support.
1: Great. And what has been uh, the the perspective of of this group, or collective, or I should say, network, I should say, shouldn't I? Um, this network in regards to the over policing of the campaigners.
6: Um, well, so over-policing is definitely one um, aspect. So having large numbers of police at protests, um, usually, um, um, that, you know, it's because that's, that's problematic for a range of reasons because large numbers of police can be intimidating and they can um, create an impression that the, police, that the protest is dangerous. Uh, we've noted that specifically around the policing of Invasion Day protests uh, and also the Black Lives Matter protests from several years ago. So um, that in itself, you know, is an indication of discriminatory uh, application of, of police. And um, we're, so we're very conscious of that. We also, we also look at how police cordon off particular streets, the sort of lines that they do to cordon or contain protests. And uh, we're often are considering that based on whether it's a, uh, an unfair or unjustified limitation on um, the freedom of peaceful assembly or the the freedom of political expression.
1: And would you say that Extinction Rebellion has been impacted by over-policing?
6: Oh, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah, so uh, we're we're still compiling our report for the uh, Spring Rebellion week, so we had legal observer teams at almost every um, action, certainly all the arrestable ones, over the week, so we observed in quite detail the policing, including the policing at the camp itself. Um, we've got a whole range of concerns about the policing of that event. Um, the police were obviously uh, anticipating, um, you know, higher levels of numbers and maybe more arrests than they then ended up being. But uh, they also deliberately... Uh, place themselves in positions where they were confining and reducing the ability of Extinction Rebellion to hold its um, peaceful protests and assemblies on various occasions. And whether that was justified or not, ultimately it's up to a court to decide, but we, we um, believe that much of the uh, the limitations the and containing were unjustified. And um, uh, also just the degree of... Um, uh, collusion they had with City of Melbourne councillors, uh, with council uh, authorities. So they were using various council bylaws, not only against the um, the camp itself, but against the use of um, megaphones and sound equipment and some of the protests. So they were actually... They had uh, council, like City of Melbourne councillors in, embedded with the police units uh, and enforcing various um, local bylaws that shouldn't really have been used against protests. And so that's something that we're really concerned about as well.
1: That's not surprising.
6: It's it's some ways it's not because it makes it more um, operationally convenient for the police. But it's, I mean, um, it's not
1: surprising it, that the, that the they got involved with the police, the council.
6: No, no, we saw that in Occupy Melbourne, you know, eight years ago. Yeah. The city of Melbourne was very much instrumental in um, in use in enforcing its bylaws against um, people um, occupying various public spaces. And so, um, that's, that's certainly got the idea from there, and have um, you know applied it uh, reasonably effectively. But whether it's lawful and whether it's um, justified, a justifiable limitations on our rights for peaceful assembly is something that we're we're going to really um, examine.
1: Absolutely, because Queensland has already put out laws to uh, to get rid of peaceful assembly, I believe. Well, they're in the process. Well, yeah, so-
6: yeah, so it's a bill. Um, it's currently it's saying it's going to be fast tracked, but they're they're going through some public hearings about it at the moment. Uh, whether or not it gets through, we'll still see. Or we've still got to see because it will uh, undoubtedly contravene their new human rights charter in Queensland. Uh, and so, it'll, if it goes through, it'll be the first act that you know pretty much straight away um, uh, undermines the spirit of that human rights charter.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah,
6: mm. but yeah, certainly worrying those sort of um, knee-jerk reactions from the state in order to contain and control um, public protests.
1: And can you talk a little bit about um, some of the bail conditions and of just in general
0: yeah, of what's happened
1: sure. there with with the activists yeah. and, and how Melbourne activists' legal support will ha- will handle that? Will that be also looked at as evidence?
6: Sure. So so the actual, the use of Bail conditions by police, as a form of crowd control, has been used um, for a long period of time. Police will try and use bail conditions in order to restrict people's movements and participation in other public protests after uh, they leave the, the watchhouse. And what we've discovered, and what we've well, what activists have basically discovered is that those um, bail conditions are. Are a misuse of the bail act, and way back in 1994, I guess not many people might remember remember this, but uh, East Gippsland forest activists spent up to 10 days in prison uh, after refusing to sign these bail conditions, preventing them going back to a particular forest coop, and uh, they took it to the they had to take it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court judgment in 1994 um, found that bail conditions couldn't be used as an injunction against participation in protests, and so they were oh. dropped. And so there's, a, so there's a Supreme Court precedent that's now being used um, by people who will be applying for their bail variations. Um, so, you know, the police obviously are interested in doing things lawfully. So, what we what we were saying is, if they want to apply, uh, um, you know, do these conditions under the um, under the lawfulness of the Bail Act, then they have to drop these sort of onerous conditions that prevent um, public protest. Now, in Sydney, the, the bail conditions were very different to the ones in Victoria. In Victoria, they were quite specific and they were uh, consistent across the board, but it was about not um, participating in disruptive protest events on the streets and sidewalks of the of Melbourne. Um, in Sydney, though, they had other you know aspects of that. A whole blanket ban from the CBD and not associating with people from the same activist group. So um, they were significantly more problematic in the in Sydney, um, but again, it was up to people refusing to sign them and taking them to a magistrate, which um, got them uh, revoked.
1: So, so just uh, following on from your earlier point about the 1994 case, what
6: mm-hmm.
1: what was that called? So what was that under again?
6: So there was a case called Flynn and Patton, and uh, it was a Supreme Court judgment where the bail conditions were taken all the way to Supreme Court, and um, the judge in that case said that it wasn't appropriate for the police to use these conditions as an injunction right. at, against participation in public protest, and so that meant that um, you know that uh, these conditions became in you know. Not able to be used. Basically, police had to drop them, and the activists were free to return to the forest coop. Now, bail—you know—the bail act—you know—already Act, you know, stipulates you can't commit an offence whilst on bail. But uh, participating in public protest is a different matter altogether. So, um, it's—it's um, basically—you uh, know—there's already there's already, a, there's already uh, laws against. Um, you know, committing crimes whilst, whilst on bail. Uh, this is this is more a matter of um, yeah, being able to protest.
1: So uh, I'm hoping that activists can actually get hold of that of, of that precedent.
6: Or well, not yeah. Really? So, so yeah. So one of the roles of MELS, of course, is to transmit information between and across movements. So MELS people have been, you know, a lot of them have been involved in campaigns and. Um, activist movements for many, many years in different parts of the world and around around Australia. So MELS is a onstanding um, activist support infrastructure. is able to, to transmit experiences, skills and knowledge from previous movements into new movements. So this is just an example of that. Um, now, we're, now the, the Extinction Rebellion legal support team will be um, applying, uh, you know, supporting activists to have their bail conditions changed, the ones that signed those bail conditions initially. So that'll be one of the first um, things happening off the vote. There'll be applications to have those bail conditions dropped. Um, so that just means you know, people will have to apply to the magistrate's court to have a variation of their bail.
1: And hopefully they won't be in prison, imprisoned as a result of it.
6: Well, or no, during. they won't be in prison. No, no, they won't be imprisoned. So, so the people who were arrested this week... Um, won't face court until uh, early next year, until March next year, I believe. So they've got plenty of time. But it's important over that time that they, have, they seek to have those bail conditions dropped, so that they're, um, so that yeah, so they won't. They're less likely to get a, to get uh, inadvertently break their bail if they participate in a march or rally in the CPD.
1: And how can you? How can people get involved if they're interested in in uh, getting involved with Melbourne legal support?
6: So, people can go to our website, melbourneactivistlegalsupport.org.au and I'm just going to check if there's an AU on the end, I think there is. Um, and basically, uh, there's a you know a way there to contact us and sign up to the email list and to get involved um, that way. We have regular training for legal observers. We have regular... Um, 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 Know Tra- your rights type training, yep. meetings meetings
1: once a month. Look, That's great, Anthony. Look, thanks so much for coming on the program. Really, as, as I said, it, you know, it, it's really not the same material that we covered in, in Saja's interview. Like, she was more about the police accountability, whereas you mm. were more talking about the, the legal support. So I wanted to make that clear distinction to listeners. Um it was that was important. It's approximately four fifty-six. We've got about a minute left. Um, thanks so much for coming onto the program, Anthony. Thank you, Marisa. Thanks See a lot. Me. Take care. You
6: too.
1: And that was Anthony Kelly from Melbourne Activist Legal Support, and he was speaking a lot about the bail conditions of activists. And just as a, a postscript to the interview. Well, not to the interview, but to the broadcast. I um, just wanted to talk about, very quickly, Dr. Holly Champion, who's a young piano teacher living in Sydney. She had never been in trouble with the law, and her bail condition stated that uh, she wasn't allowed to talk to her mother, who was also a member of Extinction, Extinction Rebellion. So it's, it's very interesting, and she was slapped with the kind of bail conditions normally reserved for bikey gangs. So that's actually a very dangerous precedent and that could be set and it really um, parallels with some of the the people in America, not just activists but also people that are left prison that have to sign um, conditions and that can really impact on on activists as well um, when they can't even go and see their friends. Or associate with people. Anyway, Beyond Zero is up next. I'll be talking more on climate change, I'm sure. And we've got. I'm just going to go out now with our theme song, "Black Fella, White Fella" from the Rumpy Band. See you every Monday at four pm to five pm for the Doing Time show. Bye. Stay strong. Three C R unable to locate that song so we'll do the next best thing